Hello, and welcome to Thrive, a podcast that gives you strategies and inspiration to help you live your best life. Learn from us, two cancer survivors, as we show you how we don't just survive, but thrive. Hi, I'm Garth Callahan, the Napkin Notes Dad. I'm a seven-time cancer thriver, but more importantly, I've been writing notes to my daughter, Emma, and sticking them into her lunch ever since she was in kindergarten. Hi, I'm Dara. I'm the author of Crush Cancer, the book I needed when I heard those terrifying words, you have cancer, available on Amazon, and creator of crazyperfectlife.com. Today, we are so excited to introduce you to Lindsay Morris. She is the founder and CEO of Generation Wellness. Welcome to the show. I got started with a passion for educating children. So I started out as a fourth grade teacher and quickly realized that there was so much more to teaching than just academics. And I realized how much stress was permeating the walls and halls of our schools. And just there's so much going on with staff and students. And after a couple years of teaching, I decided to go into school counseling because I really loved helping students navigate through life and cope with challenges. And after about a decade in education, I wanted to make a change because I saw there were many things that needed to be changed. And that led me to create Generation Wellness. And it's been going really great for the past five years and we get to infuse wellness into schools and now we're even breaking out into companies so i'm really excited to share some of the strategies that we're teaching in both of those settings i love everything about that and we would love for you to share some of your strategies i think a lot of our audience could really benefit from hearing that you mean just the audience dara yeah, we could we could benefit too. Garth especially. Garth really needs some of your strategies, Lindsay. So, I'm just kidding. Okay, well, I guess it, it probably is fitting to start with happiness. That is like the number one thing that I was most interested in um, as an educator and really became fascinated with this topic when asking parents what they most wanted for their children. I'm not a parent. So at parent conferences, I would often ask parents, what do you wish? Like, what's the end goal? And when your child is 18, when they're 30, when they're 60, what do you most want for your children? And 99% of parents said, I want my child to be happy. And it's really interesting because we say that we want that for our children, but schools traditionally don't teach happiness. So why aren't we teaching happiness? (laughs) Yes, that's exactly right. Yes. So we are now teaching some of Sean Inker's research. He's a Harvard researcher Mm -hmm. and studied happiness. And he has five simple happiness habits. Number one is gratitude. So all of these are simple. Most of them we've heard about, but it's harder to practice them every day just because of our busy lives. But the first one is gratitude, simply just writing down three things that you're grateful for each day. So training the brain to look for the things that are going right. And then number two is exercise. And it's only at least 20 minutes, which I got really excited about Mm -hmm. because (laughs) it's not like 60 minutes or 90 minutes. Like I can do 20 minutes a day. And then the third is the doubler, which is to journal or talk about a positive experience from the past 24 hours. And I had never heard of the doubler before. But what it does when you talk about something that's happened that was positive, it doubles the serotonin level in your brain. So your brain doesn't know the difference between the event actually happening or that pleasant experience and you talking about it. 
Wow. And it doesn't have to be something monumental like yesterday I went to Disneyland. It can be something simple like I was drinking the best peppermint tea last night and reading the new Brene Brown book. And that was really mm-hmm. joyful. So it could just be those simple things. And then number four is kindness. And he says it's one conscious act of kindness per day, not random, but waking up and being really intentional with I'm going to smile at five people or I'm going to write my former teacher a gratitude note. Very intentional with your kindness. And then the last one is simply just five to 10 minutes of stillness each day. And again, sounds simple, but in our busy lives, it's not always easy to get that stillness in. When you say these five things, I have to be honest with you. They don't seem like they're that hard. You know, I mean, Garth and I, we talk about a lot of these things on our podcast and they seem like they wouldn't even take up a lot of time on a daily basis. So how can doing these simple things really impact someone's happiness? Because it's not like we're saying spend five hours at a spa or go on some amazing vacation. They're just like little moments in a day. Yes, there are little happiness habits that would take less than 30 minutes for the for all five of them to be completed. And I love what Sean Anker says. He says 50% of happiness is genetic and 10% is current life circumstances. And then 40% is in our control. It kind of goes back to our intention of happiness. And if we carry that intention throughout the day, making room to do these practices. So in schools, we're encouraging educators to have a mindful Monday, have a Together Tuesday where they do connection activities, have a Wellness Wednesday, have a Thankful Thursday, and have your Fridays be Happy Fridays where you deliberately teach one of these five skills. And they're really simple to teach. Like you said, it's it's simple. It's like chicken soup for the soul, mm-hmm. but just making the space for them to happen. Do you think that happiness is available to everyone? I do. The more I get to look at the research about the brain and understanding more about neuroplasticity, it's really encouraging what the brain is capable of and how we can literally rewire our brains no matter what we've been through. And I love gratitude, especially because it's kind of like the opposite of the amygdala. So I'm going to get nerdy for just a minute. Is that okay? Oh, absolutely. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) So the amygdala is like the fire alarm of the brain. And our brain is our bodyguard. So our brain is designed to keep us safe. But the amygdala is always scanning the world for what's wrong. And it's great for threatening situations. But it's not so great in 2018 when the fire alarm can be triggered by anything. So when we train our brains to look for what's right, we're creating those new neural pathways and telling the amygdala to calm down a little bit is how I like to phrase it. So the amygdala has its own purpose and its job to keep us safe, but we get to um, create the new pathways of celebrating the good and bringing more good into our life. Wow, that's amazing. I feel there's one area of work that I definitely need to do, and I, I know Dara would agree with this. So I think four of the steps are really easy, and it's not so much that they're easy, it's that they're easy and you also have to do them, right? So right. it's almost as if I have to create a new planner page that kind of gives me permission to carve out those four areas. And I will admit the, uh, the fifth one, I'm going to have a really tough time doing, which is to be still. Yes. Yes. That's what 
most people say is the one that is the hardest. And I think in our culture, we are always go, go, go and checking boxes. And there's always this long to-do list. So in some cases, companies and classroom teachers are saying, wait a minute, this is five more things to put on the to-do list. But we always say 30 minutes of doing this can get so much of your time back in the day. And it's going to affect the way that you show up in your day. So when we talk about co-regulation, how we show up as teachers affects our classroom environment. So if we are stressed and feeling a lot of anger and just irritable, that's going to show up with our students. And so what if we just took this time to have five to 10 minutes of stillness and let the glitter settle. We use this glitter jar to show kind of all the chaos in our lives and like mindfulness and stillness isn't going to make the glitter go away, but it's going to allow the glitter to settle and create that time to pause. So yes, it is more time and it it is technically a little bit more to do's, but you get back so much time. And don't you feel like making a commitment to yourself to do these practices and then being consistent is so important in terms of actually getting the benefits. So for people that are listening to this right now and they might not do this, but they're thinking, you know what? Okay, I wanna do this, I wanna start. How long do you think it really takes if someone says, okay, I'm gonna be committed and I'm gonna be consistent. How long do you think it really takes for them to start to see the benefits of doing these five activities every day? Well, I'll give a personal story. Um, So one of my trainers, John Graff, we wanted to see how great the doubler could work. And I would recommend just starting with one of these. That'll make it so much more doable in the beginning. And then once you feel like you've got one, add another one. So we decided to start off, it was January of this year. We decided to change the doubler a bit and we called it the double down day. So we basically combined intention with visualization and the doubler and we created this tribe so it was john his wife and myself and every day we would wake up and before our day started so before we left out of our house we would audio message each other and we would pretend the day had already happened so we would say how our day went in the most positive way almost like setting the the intention for the highest good for the day All right, so I'm gonna give a quick example of the double down day that I did today with the tribe. And that was, today was an amazing day. I woke up and I went and walked around the lake with my mom and then I had this amazing breakfast and then I was able to talk with two beautiful humans and share all about the happiness habits on the Thrive podcast. It was a great day and I hope you have a great day as well. So that's an example of it takes less than 30 seconds, but it's really setting our days up for success. And we didn't know how this was going to go, but we realized that we did experience more happiness. But one thing that we didn't realize that actually happened was we became best friends. And our hypothesis is because it comes back to connection. Having this tribe of people who always know what's going on in your life, who are checking on you, you're having communication, but also when days are hard, let's face it, we're not always happy and we're not always feeling like we're in the best mood. So sometimes we would just message each other, hey, today's Wednesday. I hope you have a good day. That's all that I have. And that would tell the other people in our tribe that, hey, something's up. I'm going to check on Lindsay or I'm going to check on John. 
So it was this beautiful community that was formed by doing the Double Down Day. Wow, I love that. So we have a lot of people that listen to this podcast that have personal health issues, and they could start their day by saying, today I went to the hospital and I got chemo and felt really relaxed sitting outside before they called my name. And then the nurse that helped me was very, very nice. And I felt really good. The drugs worked and it didn't take very long. And I went home and I had something to eat and I rested and it was not as bad as I thought. Or, I mean, would that be something that exactly. people... Okay. Yes. Professional athletes do this all the time too, the visualization before the game. It's prepping our brain for success. And again, it's what we focus on expands. So we get to decide how we're going to show up. It may not go that way, but at least we have this mindset of positivity and we're creating those new neural pathways. Do you find when it doesn't go the way you had envisioned it to go, it's not as big of a deal? Like it's maybe a little easier to say, oh, okay, it didn't go the way I wanted, but tomorrow's another day or exactly. is there, it, it, it is? Yes, definitely. And that's why I love intention so much much mm -hmm. because when we set our intentions, it's, it's kind of like we take some of our power back and we're not just floating in the wind wondering what's going to come at us. But we get to wake up and say, today, this is my day and this is how it's going to happen. And we know that it's not always going to happen in the most positive of ways. But it is really empowering just to, to set that in the morning of each day. And then, you know, if it doesn't go the way that you had planned, simply just shift and see what other positive things can come about because we know that life is happening for us not to us such powerful words thank you and uh, such an amazing tool yeah i love this you know i was thinking um i just had a ct two days ago and one of the things that i always have to go through when i go through these types of scans is that i have an iv contrast i know this is such a small thing but the people who as they're setting me up say, hey, you're going to feel a little pinch as they start to inject the, the IV into me. I always feel the little pinch. But the people who just kind of go about their business and they're chatting with me and they don't set my expectation up to feel the pinch, it goes so much easier. Mm, yes. And so that's just, that's just a way of really projecting or not projecting as the case may be and setting that expectation. The best technicians I've had just kind of chat with me and they don't really talk to me about what they're about to do and my mind isn't on it and that's it's it's a really cool way to like get me through the process yes yeah and we know that as soon as you think a thought your body responds so if someone's saying okay get ready there's going to be a pinch i'm guessing your whole body is like bracing for the hurt to happen yeah and, so, and it's such a little thing yes um you know so I think what was interesting, I started a new type of chemotherapy a few months ago. My doctor purposely didn't tell me what to expect. He said, mm -hmm. hey, look, you know, a lot of patients don't even feel anything. You know, they go through the treatment and they go home. He didn't list out the side effects. He didn't talk about all of the bad things that could happen. So my wife and I are sitting in the infusion center. You know, they hook up two bags. One of the bags empties into my arm. The other one 
is just saline, I guess, to you know add some extra fluid to my system. They said that it might take two hours. The whole thing took 35 minutes. They said, okay, you're finished, go home. And I looked at Lisa and I thought, wait a minute, that's it? I don't, I don't feel anything. I don't feel different at all. What's going on? Shouldn't I be tired? Shouldn't I be nauseated? You know, I had all these kind of expectations in my head, but because my doctor really just set me up for success and basically said, don't expect anything, that's actually what I felt. Yeah. And think about how amazing every the world could be if everyone walked around expecting to have a good day, expecting good things to happen. I mean, that would just be such a game changer in terms of all the interactions that we have with each other. And just think about what, what we could do. It's just right. crazy. Yes, yes. And I love to think about that in our schools as well. Yes. Because there is a lot with bullying happening now and cyberbullying and all that, where it seems like for some kids, they can't get away from the negativity, either at home or at school or with their peers. But what if we intentionally teach gratitude and kindness in schools and also compassion? How would that change our society? And that's why I'm so passionate about this work is we're creating the next generation. And I don't think school is just about getting straight A's in math and science. I think it's about creating happy, healthy, whole human beings who can thrive. And so what does that look like when we reverse engineer the vision? How do we take the steps to make that a reality in our schools? You know, about a year ago, I had a relative visiting and this person was kind of in a funk. And there were a lot of things going on, and I was unaware of a lot of the things going on in this person's life. But the funk was, I don't want to say it was permeating the house, but it was definitely evident. So I had a charity event that I had signed up to help with that Saturday morning and said, hey, you know, I'm doing this charity thing. I need to get up and leave the house by 730 on a Saturday. I think you need to come with me. And I could tell there was some resistance about having to get up that early on a Saturday and, you know, I'm on vacation. I don't really want to do this. And I said, you know, this is, it's an opportunity. It's a charity event. It's really simple. And I think that you'll get something out of it. Well, it turns out that the charity event was a Down syndrome walk. And all we did was literally like as people were running or walking by in a very straightforward wooded path. So they couldn't get lost anyway, but we were just there for moral support. We would cheer people on and say, you know, keep going in this direction. My relative was about 20 or 30 yards ahead of me. So at the end, you could tell that the demeanor had completely shifted to that of helping others and gratitude Mm -hmm. and, you know, hey, my life is difficult, but it's not all that difficult. After this two hours of helping others, people who really needed some help, and it was so nice to see my relative's demeanor kind of shift towards more gratitude and less about the problems in their own life. Yes, definitely. The shift is so powerful when we focus on someone else rather than what we're going through. And I experienced something very similar in 2014 when I was going through a divorce and I was going through some health issues and my dad's MS was getting extremely bad. So I ended up needing to move home. And I also left my job that same year. So it felt like everything you had like was- every life change. Yes. Everything possible. <laughs> 
It felt like, and there was some moments of why me and what is going on. And I thought I was being such a good person. Why this and why that? But then when I shifted to just going back to basics and I actually gave myself a 30 day challenge because I was feeling really empty and just defeated. So I just created this little challenge called the wellness challenge. And I challenged myself to try and touch someone's life every day. Like just try and smile at someone or just try and say something kind. And then also take note of what you're seeing. So it it tied into the senses. So see, hear, taste, touch, smell. And that's when I stopped watching the news because I couldn't take anything more negative in my life because I was going through so much negativity. So only watch positive media or no media at all. And then take note of what you're listening to, what you're hearing, and the music that's playing, the conversations that you're involved in. And then also notice the food that you're eating. You know, see if you can eat raw, whole foods. And smell was the last one. So stop and smell the roses. Write down three to five things that I'm grateful for. And this simple practice really changed my life because it got me out of why me, the focus on everything feels like it's crashing down, but focusing on the positive things. And that was really the seed that was planted to create happiness in schools because I experienced it in my life. So I really relate to what you just said. So were you living this life, the, the lifestyle and creating all of this beautiful work? Had you started that or were you, what made you kind of know to give yourself that 30 day challenge? Were you already doing these practices or were you just kind of like, I've got to do something to help myself? I was more focused on teaching yoga in schools at the moment um, from about 2010 to 2014. But after this, I don't know, something clicked instinctively to create this challenge. I don't know how it came about, but I just took the No, I love that. I love that. Yeah. And then I I just realized that, yeah, movement's important and, you know, yoga's great for mind-body-soul connection, but I, I also believe in gratitude practices and teaching kindness as well. So I'm thankful for this. I guess it was a breakdown that led to a breakthrough. We hear that all the time from our guests and Garth and I both have so many friends that we've met in the work that we do that went through something challenging and then from the darkness came the light, if you will. And, you know, they were, they went through something and then they came through and were, are kind of at the other side and then really wanted to share what they figured out or learned and help other people. And I think that is so beautiful when we can all learn from each other and when we're willing to share our experiences for the greater good. Yes, definitely. And I always like to say that it's a practice, not a perfect. And even though we're teaching these things in the schools and companies, I'm far from having this all down and I don't do it every day. I would like to say that I do, but there are days when I don't feel like it or I the time slipped away. But I really do try to do these happiness habits as much as possible just because I see the benefits. I'm always interested. I love to hear about other people's like morning routines or just kind of when you wake up, how you sort of travel through your morning to put yourself in that positive space, if you don't mind sharing with us. Yes. So I love 
just simplicity. That's the whole game for me because if it's too complicated, I won't do it. So my routine is regulate, connect, reflect. And I try to do the regulate in the morning. And to me, regulate just means a little bit of movement and a little bit of deep breathing. So I might do some Qigong. I might do a little bit of yoga. I might do a little bit of weights, but I'm talking like five to 10 minutes. That's it. (laughs) So very limited. And then um, deep breathing, sprinkle in some gratitude. And then throughout the day, I make it a point to connect with a few people. So whether that's on Marco Polo, which if you haven't heard of that app, I would highly recommend it. It's my favorite app of 2018. And the reason why I love it is because it's a video walkie talkie. So we all have busy lives. Yes. And sometimes it can be hard to connect with friends, but this app makes it possible because you can walkie talkie whoever (laughs) at any time, even if it's 2 a.m. in the morning and they're asleep. And then when they wake up and when they have time, they can respond and you get to see their face, which I love because I don't know about you, but I'm not a big texter because you can never really tell the tone and it's not that true connection. So I love I love Marco Polo, but making a point to connect with friends and also strangers. So again, you know, it might be seeing, actually this just happened. I just saw a homeless person next to a Starbucks. So I asked him if he wanted to come in and he could choose anything in Starbucks to choose from. And I bought him a warm sandwich and a hot drink. So making a point to connect with humans, because I feel like in 2018, social media and the busyness of our lives. Social media can be great for connecting, but it also can leave us feeling disconnected. So making a point to connect with people, either through Marco Polo or face-to-face. And then the last one is reflect. So reflecting on my day of what worked, what could I have done better, what am I proud of, and what am I grateful for? I love it. You know, one of the things that we do here on the Thrive Podcast is I share one of the many notes that I've written to my daughter. My daughter is now a freshman in college, and I've been writing notes to her ever since she was in kindergarten. So we have literally thousands of notes. And as I was preparing for our episode today, I was really trying to find one that would hopefully kind of embody the spirit of what we were trying to talk about today. And I think I found one. Okay. And and, and so obviously it kind of simplifies everything that we've been talking about. But if you go through these practices that you've brought to our listeners, I think it's actually pretty easy. And so the note is, dear Emma, happiness is an inside job. Mm, That's perfect for this conversation. Yes. I love that. So beautiful. Yes. Well, and don't you feel like a lot of people are looking outside for everything? Like a hundred percent. Yes. Like trying to distract themselves because they don't want to go within or they just want more and more and more like the accumulation of materialism to kind of feed their soul when really spending time doing what you've shared with us, which really is mostly is all kind of free is Mm -hmm. um, the way that they would really create, I think, the happiness they're searching for. Yes, definitely. Lindsay, I feel like we could literally talk to you forever. This has been such an amazing conversation. Do you mind sharing with us how our listeners can find you? So we actually have a lot of great free resources on our website. We have free audio relaxations on all of the happiness habits, along with some videos. And the website is generationwellness.com. And then our Facebook page is 
Generation Wellness. And we also have a wellness warriors group. And that's free. And it's people from around the world who believe in health and happiness. And that is uh, group slash Generation Wellness. And then the last one, Instagram is at Generat Wellness. Oh, I love it. Thank you. I'll put every single one of those in the show notes so everyone will be able to check it out. Lindsay, thank you so much for joining us. I am Garth Callahan, the original Napkin Notes Dad. If you'd like to find out more about me, you can go to napkinnotesdad.com. And I'm Dara, creator of crazyperfectlife.com. And Lindsay, thank you so much for being here. It was such a joy to talk with you. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening. Thrive is created by Dara Kurtz of Crazy Perfect Life and Garth Callahan, the Napkin Notes Dad, with the hope that we help you develop motivation and inspiration to make your life remarkable. It would mean so much to us if you shared this with your friends and family and left us a review on iTunes. Remember, you deserve to thrive. Thrive Podcast is copyrighted by Dara and Garth.